when the war happened, it was a really shock for everyone. Uh, it is still shock today that how how could it happen? Hi, welcome to Norwegian Newcomers, the podcast where we hear fragments from the lives of Norway's immigrant population. My name is Vedran Atanovic, and today's story starts in Yugoslavia, a country that no longer exists. I think it's quite difficult to explain it to, to someone who was not there. In today's episode, we will talk about being trapped in a town under siege, but also about finding new friends, learning new languages, and the 1984 Winter Olympics. But first, let's get to know our guest a little better. Lana, welcome to Norwegian Newcomers family. Thank you very much for having me here. As you said, my name is Lana. Uh, I'm I'm coming from Sarajevo. I was born in Sarajevo. Today it's Bosnia and Herzegovina, but it was Yugoslavia. And I have lived in Norway since 1996. I'm married. I have two children. Uh, I'm engineer of civil engineering. My husband is a doctor of medicine. And we, we work here. And um, our children go to school. Yes. So this is like the beginning. Thank you for intro. And I, I'm really, I'm glad and I'm excited, as always, talking with Norwegian newcomers or people as me. We all have our, our stories. Before we came to your life in Norway, I would like to know more. Even I know I won't, <laughs> I won't <laughs> hide since that uh, Bosnia is part of, of my background. But uh, uh, I would like others for our listeners to hear a little bit more about your home country, Bosnia and Herzegovina, the way you would like to, to present Bosnia to our listeners. I was born in Sarajevo. I grew up there. I went there to school and I've studied there. Um, I'm coming to talk about myself. Of course, I have to talk about my family, about my parents, about the whole background and everything I have. So um, my parents were, of course, the, the best parents in the whole world, <laughs> the most loving yeah, yeah, and uh, really, uh, really the one I could only imagine. They were educated people, open-minded, very social people, people who traveled a lot, who, who spoke foreign languages, who were interested in many things, had a very wide education. And I'm saying that all because those things are things that they uh, were trying to learn us, children, me and my brother. And uh, it was normal for us that we will uh, study, that we will speak languages, that we will uh, play piano or that we will travel a lot and like that. So, of course, the family was uh, the most important thing that defined me. But uh, when I said that I'm from Sarajevo and from Bosnia and Herzegovina, I have to say that living in Sarajevo in a, such a, a multicultural and multi-religious city, that was a, a thing as well that defined me a lot. Maybe I was not aware of it on the beginning. But especially now, when I think about everything, I see that uh, it was really important. 
I was working as a tourist guide in Sarajevo, so I know a lot about the city, of course, about the history. But I have to say, really, when I was having like a group of Americans and English or Japanese and walking with them in the city, I was excited and really fascinated with the city every time when I talked about it, when I saw things in the city like cathedral and the mosque and the Jewish synagogue just five minutes from each other. So it was really something special. And I think that kind of multicultural and multi-religious atmosphere and society really, really helped me a lot to live in a different countries and to accept it and to to feel right and to feel good everywhere. I was really lucky not just to travel as a tourist a lot, but as a student to live in a different countries, now as an adult <laughs> to live in a few countries as well. So I see that that family thing and living in such a city, such a state, all together that it helped me really a lot to adjust everywhere, to really to to feel all right everywhere. So um, to to accept the the culture and the mentality and everything. So. Now I just uh, it come to me uh, how old you were when they when uh, the Sarajevo Olympic Winter Olympic Games were this, this Did, do you remember of course I have to, it is not just that I remember I was a part of it I was working as a hostess of American team uh, in Olympic Village in Sarajevo So uh, my job was to take care about them. And uh, th- there were, of course, a lot of them, so I was not alone. But my job was to take care about the, the Alpine ski competitors. They were like brothers, Phil and Steve Mayer, Tamara McKinney, and like that, so with them. And the skaters, skating in, in couples, that kind of skating, not speed skating, but artistic skating. So it was perfect. We were there in Olympic Village with all the countries, day and night, uh, doing everything for them, uh, being with them, like uh, uh, to work with them, to be like uh, friends with them, to go out with them, to help with everything, from shopping till having uh, nice dinners, Ella taking them to the Olympic mountains. So we were really doing everything. Sarajevo, the whole city was really like determined to make those winter games the best in the world. And if someone would measure uh, the positive energy in the city in that time, it would be like a million. Really, it was amazing that people, really everybody in the city understood that they are a part of something big. And uh, I was even more lucky. It, it is not just that I remember I was a part of it because I was 18. I was dancing on the opening ceremony of the Winter Olympic Games on the football stadium. I was dancing in one dancing group. We were a few thousands. 
we were, of course, practicing for a whole year. And that the moment when we went out to the stadium, when you saw thousands of people sitting there and the music, and we were dancing, really everyone who were dancing there, we were all crying, of course, crying of happiness. It was something that I will never forget, those Winter Olympic Games. So uh, it was really, I'm really, really lucky that I could experience something like that. Living in such a city, uh, in a bubble of happy people, that when the war happened, it was a really shock for everyone. Uh, although you could be killed every day, I was not afraid, okay, if it happens, happens. But I was going to work every day. It was important to write the stories, to tell the people what's happening, to try to organize humanitarian help and like this. So it was a really very special time. I was working as a tourist guide. It was like entrance uh, <laughs> ticket, entering ticket to work with the mayor of Sarajevo, Mr. Mohamed Krashevljakovic. Uh, it was, of course, terrible. It was the war on one side. But on the other side, with him, I was uh, able to meet really extraordinary people, people from Sarajevo, foreign journalists, politicians, humanitarians. So, it, it was special. You worked as an interpreter or, or a translator. How was that experience? Uh, it was, uh, uh, of course, it was terrible uh, to hear some things. It was very difficult to be always like a neutral and to hear some things which were uh, terrible for me. On the other side, to see how diplomacy works, so to see that something good thing happens. So for me, it was, uh, it was a very special experience. But my husband, he, he left Sarajevo before the war started. He left in May, in May 92, and I was in Sarajevo till December 92. He went to his family in Germany. He, he's a doctor of medicine, and he started to work as a man nurse in the hospital because there were some um, things with the diploma. He needed some time to translate it and like that. And for me, it was like, am I going to join him and start a family to, to be with him, to marry him and everything? Or am I going to stay? And to be honest, it was not easy to decide because my parents were in Sarajevo. I was working there. Uh, it was really not easy to go. But I left and I came to Germany. Anyway, I chose him. <laughs> so I came to Wiesbaden. It's close to Frankfurt. And uh, he was working, as I said, so it's not that we were living on the street and like that. He had a small apartment and enough that we have like a simple life. I didn't speak German, so the first thing was to learn the language. In Germany, if you want to work really, 
I don't know today it was like this 20 years ago. You had to speak German. You, you couldn't work as just with English. So I was thinking, okay, I have to use everything I can <laughs> to, to do something. So Wiesbaden is also the biggest American military base. So uh, I was thinking, okay, I can play piano. I speak English, so I could be piano teacher for Americans. <laughs> and, and this is what I did. We knew no one in Germany, but those American families, they became our friends. So we, we spent a lot of free time with them as well. After one year, my husband got his medical approval and he got a scholarship to write doctor degree at the university in Göttingen. It is between Frankfurt and Hanover. Wonderful, wonderful university city. So I had to start again. <laughs> when we came to Göttingen, I got internship in one engineering company, uh, like a student internship for, for three months. I learned German really fast. I was just like, okay, I have to learn it fast to find the real job, to send the money back to Sarajevo and the packages with food and everything. So I was working three years uh, as an engineer in Germany. My husband was writing his doctor degree. We lived in a student dormitory next to the university. We didn't have children. So although we were not the students, but we were having like a student life again, <laughs> I continued to, to learn German. And I was taking private lessons with the one old lady. And uh, in those three years, that lady, I can say she's like my German mother. She's yeah. beautiful and nice, and we were not like a student and the teacher. It was much, much more, and we were together in many occasions. And she lived alone. Her children were in other cities, so she said always, I'm like a daughter she never had. <laughs> so, so it was really perfect. It was, it was something special. I just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to Norwegian Newcomers and remind you that if you want to further support our podcast, we have a Patreon. There you will get every episode one week before everyone else and we will be able to continue with this project that we really love. You can find us at patreon.com slash Norwegian Newcomers or you can press the link in the episode description. Thank you very much. It really would mean a lot. Uh, my husband was not the only one, of course, writing his doctor degree. There were doctors from all over the world and they were all in the same situation like us. So we became friends and we were with them all the time. They are from, from Argentina till Japan, Italy, overall, everywhere. Very so multicultural. Very multicultural. You made a little Sarevo in the... Yes, exactly, exactly. And we were uh, having like uh, every Wednesday, it was like cooking classes. And every Wednesday, one of us was making food from his country. So one Wednesday is Chinese, the next one Bosnian, the next Italian and like this. And 
Lana, tell me what you were making. Oh, I have to say, when I got married, I had no idea how to cook, how to do anything. So it was poor, poor them. I was trying to make some Bosnian food, but I'm not sure that it was tasteful as it should be. So uh, it's a pity that uh, I don't have opportunity to make food for them today. So I really loved Germany. As I said, the people at work were so nice to me. We had the friends. We, we, um, the only thing that I have when I compare Germany to everything is that you work a lot there. I was working from from seven o'clock in the morning till five o'clock in the afternoon, but sometimes till seven o'clock in the afternoon. So it was really comparing it with the Norway. It is more pressure, stress, everything. And, and especially my husband, he was writing his doctor degree, but he was working at the hospital. No one uh, went home before the main uh, chef goes home. So if, if mentor was at work till eight o'clock, he was at work till eight o'clock. We didn't have a children, so it was okay. We were young, we didn't have anyone. But but I, I really can't imagine how would it work if we would have a children. After four years in Germany, my husband got his doctor degree. But again, because of European Union, uh, all the rules, he could not get certificate or permission to work with patients. He could stay in Germany, but work on the Institute for Research or students or something like that. Or he couldn't work in a hospital with the patients. That was the point. I think it's really crazy because today he could work with patients. But when we were there... In that time, it was not possible. After 10 years, it was possible. So, But when we were living in Germany, my brother, he was working for United Nations as well uh, during the war. But after two years, he left Sarajevo and he came to Norway. He came with his friends And when we were living in Germany, we could travel. So we came to Norway a few times, just a tourist for a visit. He was lucky that he lived in one Norwegian family. Two people, I have to mention them, the best people in the world, really. Such nice people who took him as their son, although they had a son and two daughters. And when we came for a visit, they were treated us as a family. The the woman, she was working in a hospital and she said to my husband that Norway needs the doctors. My husband did some research and it was true. So he learned Norwegian. He took Norwegian test, language test, and he applied for a job. And that was the reason that we moved. For me, of course, it was to start again, to learn Norwegian. So, so we came to Haugesson. This is the city on the west coast, which is two hours from Stavanger, the city where we live now. To be honest, I didn't want to move. Of course, the only thing that my brother lived there, it was the only motivation to move, uh, because I like Germany very much. 
But and as well, I moved to Norway in December, which was not very good month to move to Norway, <laughs> especially not to Haugesund. It was the the weather was terrible. It was dark. It was dark all the time. <laughs> And it was raining, there was no snow, it was just raining and windy and dark. And it was a really, really small city, so at three o'clock there is no one on the street. So I was thinking, where did I come? I was really <laughs> shocked. But um, the good thing is that when I started to, to learn Norwegian, I went to school. There were a lot of foreigners there as well. Uh, most of them women who came with their husbands because of their husbands. So we were in a desperate situation, but in the same situation. So it was a little bit easier. And uh, there I got already five friends, like from Argentina, from Romania, from USA, from Slovakia. And it was me. So it was like five of us. And I remember uh, we used to come to our house to have a coffee after the school. And my husband was coming and it was like five ladies sitting <laughs> at home. And he was like, where do you find all those people? They was always like, but, uh, but he, he liked them, of course. Before I started to work, I had no chance to meet Norwegians. Uh, the, the first two years, I, I have to say that. Uh, when I started to work, when I I started to get friends, I cannot say friends, but like started to get closer and closer to my colleagues. It, it took some time and some years for me as well to understand it's a different mentality. It doesn't mean that it is better or worse, point is that it is different so that you have to accept it and it is different because of many reasons now when you see about the climate about the uh, topography about how the country is divided in many small places they are all things that how could they be social everything is expensive you cannot go to the restaurant every day like you can go in germany or uh, you cannot afford it so there are so many things that this is why they have such a mentality and it's not like their fault they are like a product of the place where they live and uh, it is like that, like uh, in Bosnia and former Yugoslavia. It's normal, like if you went to vacation, when you come back, you you hug everyone, <laughs> you kiss everyone. Oh, hello. So I did the same and my colleagues, they were terrified. I had no idea. <laughs> I thought it was like normal. They were in shock. They were really <laughs> afraid of me <laughs> jumping and hugging them and like this but I needed some time to understand that they are just they don't do that uh, not because they don't like me it is just because they don't feel comfortable with them. but I have to say they um, I work in the same company for 21 years now with the same colleagues I have four Norwegian friends girls and uh, now that they know me and I know them like they are my like Norwegian group 
we meet and go and walk together and make dinners together and like this. I have to be honest and to say uh, we don't have a lot of Norwegian friends. We don't have a, a lot of Norwegian families that we are very close to. But this is how they are. And this is okay. Uh, as I said, I have my my four uh, colleagues and uh, this is enough. This is okay. Do you see yourself in the future in Norway? Uh, yes, there is something that we talk to our friends a lot. Uh, one of things were like, okay, we are we are working here. So, uh, but when we retire, we will come back to Bosnia or Croatia and like this. But now I'm thinking, my children, they are going to stay to live in Norway. I think. And if they are going to stay to live in Norway, and I hope they will have families as well, so I will have grandchildren, uh, I cannot go and retire in Bosnia. I can imagine that I will combine it, so I will be in Sarajevo a little bit, maybe in Croatia, in Norway. But I think it will not be like I thought on the beginning, because for me the most important are children and uh, I want to be where they are. Lana, I will say tusen tak, hvala, or thank you very much on on uh, this this conversation and and your story. And thank you for bringing me. <laughs> I'll be a bit selfish first. <laughs> a little bit back on that nice time that I remember while while we were living and we were raised in, in yes, one country, Yugoslavia. And thank you for for bringing us a little bit of, of Bosnia and Sarajevo. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being part of our family, Norwegian newcomers. Take care. Thank, thank you, you very thank much. You very This episode was made possible with support from Bergis and Steve Telsen and our members on Patreon. If you would like to support our podcast, search for Norwegian Newcomers on Patreon, Facebook or Instagram. We are back next Tuesday. Thank you for listening and take care.